Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, this is Shar McCain. I am your Bible study leader for today and every day on the station. And today we're uh, into First John, so get out your Bibles and turn to First John. We have made it through the entire uh, New Testament, and I made a mistake uh, last week that I was into Jude, but I, I skipped over John. So sorry about that for my followers and. 
I want to thank everybody that joined me this morning, today in the reading of uh, the Holy Scripture. And uh, why don't we just open with uh, our opening prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I want to thank you all for joining me. And I'm just going to, we have a lot of reading to do today because I'm going to read the, the introduction to John also, along with John. So, First John in the first letter, the elder encourages the Christians of his community to stay together. See, there are some naysayers who've been spreading lies about Jesus, and the elder really wants to set things straight. First, Christians need to believe that Jesus is for real human being, not just some divine deity walking around on water everywhere. Second, Christians have to love each other. God is totally into love, and it's his favorite thing. He really wants all believers just to love their little hearts out. Love, 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 right? This whole thing doesn't apply to the naysayers, I guess, though, for, or for any non-Christians for that matter, I guess. No matter who's required to love the bad, those baddies or even pray for them, I don't believe that. But anyway, probably because God isn't listening. I guess at some point he stops listening to people that don't mean it. The elder calls his opponents Antichrist, who are making God look bad. And that can't be good. That's harsh. Anyway, let's go on to read. And I need my glasses for this. Hold on, my people. Okay. I need my glasses now, but that does you know, I have cataracts, so sometimes the glasses don't even work. But let's just go on to read. First John, introduction. Uh, this is from the author John, and the date was 90. Authorship. So it is generally agreed that the same person wrote the Gospel of John and those three epistles. Some feel that they were not written as traditionally held by John the Apostle, son of Zebedee. But another John, the elder or presbyter, second John, third John, it is argued that an uneducated man, Acts four thirteen, could not have written something so profound as this gospel. A fisherman's son would not have known the high priest as did John the apostle. An apostle would not have called himself an elder, but uneducated did not mean illiterate, only without formal training in the rabbinic schools. Some fishermen were well-to-do, uh, talking about Mark and Peter. Even though an apostle called himself an elder, further, if John the Elder is the beloved disciple and the author of the gospel, why did he not mention John the son of Zebedee, an important figure in the life of Christ? In that gospel, every evidence points to John the Elder as being the same John as the apostle and the author of this letter the date and place for the writing. Strong tradition says that John spent his old age in Ephesus. The lack of personal references in this letter indicates that it was written in Shamanic style to Christians all over Asia Minor. 
such as the Ephesians, is probably written after the gospel and before the persecution under Dominican in 95, which places its writing in the late 80s or early 90s. And it's talking about Gnosticism. The heresy of Gnosticism had begun to make inroads among churches in John's day. Among its teachings were, one, knowledge is superior to virtue. Okay, what I'm reading you now is, is not right, but this is what was spreading around in churches. But knowledge is superior to virtue. The non-literal sense of scripture is correct and can only be by select few. Three, evil in the world precludes God's being the only creator. Four, the incarnation is incredible because the deity cannot unite itself with anything material such as a body. And five, there is no resurrection of the flesh and the ethical standards by many, many doctors were low. So John emphasized the reality of the incarnation and the high ethical standard of the earthly life of Christ. The contents. The letter shows John's obvious affection for his little children and concern for their spiritual welfare. The book is filled with contrast, light and darkness, love of the world, love of God, children of God and children of the lower power, the spirit of God and the spirit of the Antichrist, and love and hate. So let's go on and start just reading. And, you know, that for me, that straightened out a lot of uh, misunderstandings that they're talking about people that had twisted up the their knowledge of the Bible. And uh, I really understand that after reading this. And I hope I hope it made sense to you guys. So um, just, just follow the Bible. So that's, why, that's why I'm sticking with this. Okay, so now we're on first letter of John, the introduction, the purpose of the letter. One, what was from the beginning and what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life which is manifested and which we have seen and testified and proclaimed to you the eternal life which is with the Father, it was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship with it is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our, our joy may be made complete. Conditions for fellowship. It says they're talking about conformity to a standard. This is the message we have heard from Him and announced to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light and as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Then here it talks about the confession of sin. If we say that we have no sin, then we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned and we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And then uh, there's there's a second letter, so we're just going to read the first. So let me read the notes now. And the notes say in 1-1, 
the verb is already in existence, not came into existence. And it's the beginning. And the name Greek word is used with the Christ post-resurrection appearances. And uh, the message is concerning life that's appeared in the incarnation. So this is the real deal, talking about the real deal manifestation of Christ. It's not a memory of it. But they remember, you know, they have the real deal of Christ with them, like we have him with us. And then one, two, is referring with the incarnation of Christ with the Father. Christ is equal with the Father and is also distinct. So that's one of those mysteries that uh, we were just talking about this yesterday. So in reference again, a reference to the incarnation of Christ with the Father. And Christ is equal with the Father but is also distinct. And one, three, fellowship of the redeemed people with the apostles and ultimately with the Father and the Son is the theme of this letter. And by the time we get to verse 5, it's from him, from Christ, God is light. God is holy and pure. This symbol, as much as used by John, and notice that God is phrases in John. It goes all the way through John. And uh, the minute of the notice says, one, seven. But if we walk in light, to walk in the light is to live in obedience to God's commandments. Two things result from walking the light. One, fellowship with other believers. And two, continual cleansing from sin. Since walking in the light things, things brings to light other things that need cleansing in contrast to the light and darkness of other uh, characters. So you're blessed by that. to continue to keep trying every day. And then have no sin. And is, uh, that's verse 1a. And it says uh, a reference to the indwelling principle of the sin rather than acts of sin. So we have to try to remain free from sin as we can and pray for God's mercy every day. Then one nine confess. It means to say something about the sin which God does forgive. And forgiveness and fellowship within the family of God is restored as we confess. To continually confess to each other. Uh, if you don't have a confessor, I would say write it down and, uh, you know, give it away, burn it or, or whatever. So write that down and give it to somebody that you trust and then uh, get rid of it. It's not yours anymore because God forgives us our sin, and that's why we have Jesus, and he died for our sins, and that that clarifies a lot of stuff, you know. We... Uh, some of this stuff is beyond our understanding. And all we could do is read about it, write about it, try to act upon it, and have, you know, throw our mercy on God. Because um, this is Jesus in trying times, and we are very much angry and upset, despondent, grief-struck, shocked, every other kind of thing. But that's why we have uh, Jesus the Holy Spirit, the Blessed Mother, and God, and all of our angels and our guardian angels all protecting us to help us because we need a lot of help in this world. And while we're here, that's why we have to do this together. Let me read the last note. This is 110. We have, we have not sinned. For example, we have not committed sin. Even believers in sin, if we deny past sin and pre- present guilt, we are deceiving ourselves and mocking God and not walking in the light. So we are encouraged here in First John, the first the part of this first chapter, 
is to walk in the good, good, welcoming light of God. You know how good it feels when we open up the doors and open up the windows and pull out the shades and turn the light on everything and let fresh air blow through us. And there's a part between my two houses that there's, there's almost a steady breeze, and that goes through that goes through uh, the, between the two houses, uh, um, fresh, fresh, fresh air. And um, what it does, it's, it makes me feel alive and that, that the fresh air is blowing through us. So that's why we have to have our Heavenly Father. Uh, we open ourselves to him because he knows everything we're doing anyway. So let's just be open and loving to each other and to our higher power. We can't hide from him. There's no way to hide from God. He sees everything you do anyway. We already know that. So let's just ask in Jesus' name to just help us as we struggle through this world of uh, strangeness and anger. Because to me, in America, I don't know how it is across the country and the world. Uh, well, I know how it is about across the country. Everybody's mad. And I'm sorry to say, probably the world has seen the riotings here. And the terrible looting and stuff like that. And um, it's happening almost every night. And uh, it's really horrible to look at because, you know, we're watching as people, uh, you know, it's just like watching somebody in hell. To, I'm embarrassed. Um, I feel horrible. And it's a lot of young people out there, you know, destroying themselves. It's, they're destroying the stores and they're, they're robbing people of their livelihood. And on the other hand, they're destroying themselves, you know, because what we create is our reality. And nobody's going to get away with anything. You can't uh, sneak around and think, okay, I'm going to burn down this building. Nobody's going to notice. We all notice. And it hurts everybody. And not even, not just the owners of the building. It hurts people that are watching and that feel horrible about the not only the destruction of property, but the destruction of people's souls. And I'm quite horrified about it. I'm sorry if people in the world are having to watch this. And uh, I want you to please pray for us, and uh, because we all need your prayers. Uh, People on all sides need the prayers, the the people doing the the problem and the people trying to control the problem and their families, and we just should pray just for everybody because uh, we need peace in this world, and we just don't have it right now. And um, I have a little story ready for you. Please tell me if you ever want to be on our Bible study and share with us some of your experiences and spiritual experiences. I'd love to hear from you. So all you have to do is just uh, get a hold of me on Facebook. You can actually email me at citizenmccain at hotmail.com and send me a little note that you'd like to speak on the show. And um, I just want to I tell you, I love you all very much. I know that with, a, with the coronavirus, with all the diseases rampant on on earth. Uh, As people are saying, this is the latter days. We're having all these signs. 
So I would uh, highly advise you to get right with God and just say your prayers and just mean it. Try not to to uh, sin, and we all do it every day, you know, and try to clarify it with God at the end of the day. When you're saying your prayers, say, hey, God, I did this and this and this. I'm really sorry. Please forgive me. God loves you. He loves you and he knows everything about you. That's how much he loves you. And he wants us to love each other. So I love you and you love me and then we'll get along greatly. Anyway, so this story I'm reading right now is about Bubba. And it's by Bert Klompus, Douglasville, Pennsylvania. Okay. I was about five when I first realized that Bubba, Yiddish her grandmother, was not on good terms with mom. Whenever dad drove us to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, to visit his mother, it was always the same story. If Bubba spoke to mom at all, washing the dinner dishes, and the the words were clipped and cold, and one visit with mom and Bubba, we were actually very upset, and mom's hands were nervous, and then she shattered one of Bubba's teacups to the floor, and a look of disdain would cloud Bubba's broad face. Molly, she she grumbled, you never were good enough for my son. Oh, my God. I was shocked. How could Bubba talk like that? My eyes welled with tears as I watched Mom bite her lip and look at you, Dad. Dad was red-faced and wordless, but my grandfather's eyes blazed at Bubba. You apologize to Molly, Grandfather demanded. Bubba, a large woman who dwarfed my short, wiry grandfather, merely folded her arms and pursed her lips stubbornly. Our visit ended abruptly, but not before my grandfather steered me down the steps to the small apartment to his grocery store below. He slid open the door at, at the back of the candy case. Here, Bert, take one, he said, as a sweetness could purge the bitter aftertaste of Bubba's outburst. I shook my head and then relented, selecting a cherry sour ball. It was still rolling around in my mouth and resisting the urge to bite onto it, when we drove home, Mom must have been doing the same thing with Bubba's words, rolling them around in her mind and fighting the earth to complain to Dad. About the time I finally crunched the sour ball, Mom blurted out, Ike, why didn't you say something? Dad didn't answer. He only gripped the steering wheel with a tighter, with a tighter grip and drove a little faster. At last, Mom cried out, so that's what you think, too? I'm not good enough. I was nearly thrown off the base back seat as Dad slammed the brake pedal and swerved to stop in the shoulder of the road. How can you say that, Molly? He gasped, grabbing her hand. I know if I had only a third grade education when I came to this country. Mom sobbed. I know I had to sew in a sweatshop to help support my family. I know you are mother's favorite son, but does does that make me not good enough, Mike? My father's face, usually so stern, softened. You are, are you through, he said quizzically. Mom nodded and rummaged her pocketbook for a tissue. Their eyes finally met, and Dad kissed her, his fingertips and touched them softly to Mom's lips. I knew things were all right again, but I also knew that Dad felt torn between the two women he loved most in the world and wanted to hurt neither of them. 
The next time we went to Harrisburg, Mom insisted on waiting in the car while we visited with Bubba. I'm staying with Mom, I declared loyally. Go with your father, Bert, Mom ordered. All right, I said, giving in, but I'm not speaking to Bubba. Bubba pretended to be disappointed when Mom wasn't with us. When she smiled and spread her huge arms wide for me, my resolve evaporated. I melted all the while feeling like a traitor. But what five-year-old can resist a grandmother's hug? When Dad and my grandmother went downstairs to the store, I mustered my courage and I asked Bubba why she didn't love Mom. She refused to answer. But you love me, don't you? I persisted. Bubba pulled me to her lap. Sure I do, she said fiercely. Well, if you love me, why can't you be nice to Mom? Bubba shrugged. It's different, she said, and you're too young to understand. And then Dad came downstairs and said it was time to leave. Not long after, Bubba took ill with a severe case of the flu. Stubborn as always, she refused to go to the hospital and stay with any of the, or stay with any of her children nearby. My grandmother, father, had his hands full, 12-hour days, tending to the store. So my dad offered to bring Bubba to recuperate with us in the home of her favorite son. To my surprise, Mom agreed, and my stomach nodded into knots at the prospect of the two of them under one roof. The next day, Dad followed Bubba into the house, carrying a battered brown valise and a large paper bag. He put the bag in the kitchen table. What's this, Mom cried. I brought you my own food, said Bubba, puncturing her statement with a series of hacking coughs. Mom emptied the bag of its contents, a large jar of pickles, another of sauerkraut, and six cans of store-bought chicken soup. This isn't food for a sick person, my mom said, glancing dismissively at Bubba. The tension between them made my knees weak. Lord, I prayed desperately, please let them get along this time, please. I'll get Bubba settled into the guest room, Dad interjected quickly, taking my grandmother by the arm. She's not eating this food, Ike, Mom called after them. I will, too, coughed Bubba. I don't want her dying in my house. I wouldn't dream of it, Molly. Both of you, that's enough, Dad shouted as Bubba pulling up the stairs. When he returned, he took Mama aside. Now, you've got to show us my... my he took my mom aside. You've got to show my mother respect while she's in this house, he whispered hoarsely, and then he stomped off to work. Red-faced and silent, muttering a prayer, mom swept aside Bubba's groceries and went to work herself, chopping, slicing, preparing a big pot of her homemade chicken soup. While the glorious concoction bubbled and simmered on the stove, mom baked the freshly sweet-braided bread that she usually made for the Sabbath. When it was all done, she fixed the tray with her best china and carried it up to Bubba, and there was something almost defiant about her as she climbed the stairs. I tiptoed behind and watched Mom silently hand Bubba the tray. There was a long, nerve-wracking pause before Bubba croaked, for me? And Mom didn't answer. Instead, she briskly smoothed the covers on Bubba's, Bubba's bed and left. Downstairs, I asked Mom why she had gone to the trouble for Bubba. She says, I thought childish chala and soup were just for Fridays. I mean, Bubba isn't even nice to you. 
That doesn't matter, Bert, she said. She's still your father's mother, and she's still my guest, and that's how we'll treat her. Apparently, that's what God wants. Later, I went up to get Bubba's dishes. Isn't Mom's chicken soup the best, I asked her? Bubba hummed and hawed and sifted in their bed. Well, it's not half bad, she finally admitted, as if the words would torture to get out. Mom, I said, handing the tray to downstairs, Bubba said the chicken soup was the best. She did? Mom said, failing to mask her surprise. This was the high praise coming from Bubba, and I thought Mom straightened up a little bit with pride. Every day from then on, Mom made Bubba soup and fresh challah and served it on her best dishes. It was good medicine and not just for Bubba's flu. Each time Mom took Bubba her tray, they lingered together a little longer. One afternoon while I listened outside the door, I heard Bubba say, Molly, I have six daughters, and not one of them makes chicken soup so much as yours. Oh, go on, Bubba, said Mom modestly. I can get you some more. Can I get you some more? I peeked into the room and just in time to see Bubba raise herself from bed and give Mom a good long hug. I knew how that felt. Mom was blushing and she came out and scooted me away. But later she took me by the shoulders and said, Bert, if I grumble about the girl you marry, just tell her to keep trying to love me anyway and God will do the best. <sighs> I think Bubba stayed a few, on a few days extra just because she was having a good time. Seeing his wife and, and mother get along at last lifted a huge burden from my father. And I was glad God had heard my prayer and helped bring Mom and Bubba together. If we treat one another with respect and love, even if it's difficult, he'll look after the rest. That's what the two women I love most in the world taught me when I was five years old. That's the end. I love that story. You know, it brings tears to my heart and chills. And that's it. We love each other until we go love ourselves and try to get along even against the people that are harsh against us. And I just want to tell you that I love you very much. God bless you. I hope you bring have health and happiness and healing and love. And remember that all your days love and love and love how much God loves us. So let's use our closing prayer. God Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So come by next week. We'll do First John. We're going to read the second letter. And I want to encourage you to to just pray. And I, ha- I have my lamp candles lit. I have one to with the Blessed Mother because she protects me and she she helps all of us just cry out for her. And I have my incense going and I read my Bible and I want God to forgive me because sometimes I get out of line and uh, I spout off just like everybody else. But let's just try to be, you know, God's faithful, for faithful people. And I just want to let you know that um, I love you. If you're having a birthday today, happy birthday. God bless you. And I hope uh, you're happy, healthy, and prosperous. And uh, it's a wondrous day, the day that you were born. And it's very exciting. So uh, God bless you. I love you. 
and I'll see you next week, and take care of yourself. Love you very much. Bye-bye. Oh